0: I'm excited as we continue today in a series that we started last week. We're calling this series Stuck. All right? And here's the idea behind it. Uh, We believe that God has some pretty big things that He wants to accomplish through our church over the next year. And and this is something that we as a pastoral staff have been praying about for quite a while. And at the start of 2022, we're going to spend a few months talking about what these plans are. But there, there is also a problem with this, and that is this. We don't feel like we as a church are ready right now for what God has for us. What God is wanting to do, where God is wanting to take us, we don't feel like we are really ready yet. All right, And that's a bitty, pretty big problem. All right, if God wants to take us somewhere and we aren't ready for that, that's, that's going to hinder basically everything. So this fall is focused on what areas, as a church and as Christians, are, are we needing to grow in to be ready. What things are holding us back? Where are we stuck? Because if we are stuck in some area of our life, we can't focus on what God has for us. We can't focus on where God is bringing us because we are stuck. All right, Just like a turtle that is stuck on its back, nothing else matters until that turtle is unstuck. And, and that's where we feel like we are, so there's going to be some pretty big and difficult topics that we're going to cover this fall, uh, and we probably started last week with one of the most difficult, and that is the topic of sexual sin. All right, And sexual sin can be defined as quite a few different things. Uh, it could be consuming pornographic or sexually explicit material. Uh, this could be through actively seeking that out, uh, or even just watching shows and movies that are filled with this. right? Like this is so common now, more and more TV shows and movies are pushing those boundaries. Are right, some of the most popular TV shows to binge watch right now, if we were honest, are essentially porn with a little bit of a storyline? Like, this, this is where entertainment is kind of going. Alright, sexual sin would be being unfaithful to your spouse, whether that means physically, but also emotionally. Alright, like, if you are looking for someone else to fill what you would call your needs, either physically, emotionally, relationally, uh, looking for them to fill these things that really are reserved for your spouse to fulfill. Sexual sin is any type of sexual activity that is outside uh, the a biblical marriage between a man and a woman that we see represented in the Bible. And sexual sin is absolutely destroying our world. It is, it is twisting and distorting what God's plan is for his creation. All right, so we need to change the way that we're going about this. We, we, can't, we can't let this be part of our life. And last week we started with this idea. Change starts with a crisis and happens Through a process. All right, It starts with a crisis and it happens through a process. You have a crisis moment where you realize that things need to change. You can't keep living the way that you are living. If you keep living that way, things are going to end badly. That's a crisis moment. And our goal of last week was actually to make last Sunday morning a crisis moment for us. It was to say, right now, we need to have this moment where we say, I can't keep living the way that I'm living. And this week, we're looking at the second half of this, which would be that change doesn't happen when you have a crisis. You then actually need to come up with a plan, put things in place to make sure that things are followed through on. All right, and that's the only way that we can expect to see change in this area or really most areas of our life. All right, so I want us to have this kind of a mindset this morning. All right that that when we are sitting here we're like I am ready for some work. I am ready for something that is difficult. I am ready to say I have a job to do and I am going to I'm going to take this serious. Like that's the type of mindset I want us to have. Can we stand across this place as we get ready to just jump into this? And can we just kind of take a moment and pray where you're at even just pray and say God, what is it that you want to speak to me today? So God, we we are here. Lord, I I come against any Any of us taking offense to what you would maybe be saying today? God, I pray that these would be your words, not mine. That we would be able to fall back and just say, "All right, if I am feeling defensive in any way, that is probably pointing to something that I need to look at and maybe change in my life. So God, we give you that permission right now just to begin to, Lord, bother us. Make things just kind of not sit well with us this morning, that that would would challenge us and, and cause us to reach this place of saying, I need to change, and I am willing to take the steps to see that happen. God, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So, Last week, I made this statement, and I don't think I'm too far off with it, that we live in a very sexualized world. Our world is over-sexualized. It is everywhere you look, commercials on TV, ads as you scroll through social media, movies, music, pretty much everywhere. Like, this is just part of our world. And it can almost feel like you are getting attacked by it. And, And honestly, in some ways, you might be. Like that you feel like this is attacking you and it feels like the world is this horrible, evil place and the world is your enemy. And, and But the problem with having a mindset like this is very quickly, it can place you in this spot where you feel like you are a victim. Alright? And, and I want to make clear, I'm talking about situations of sexual sin where we have kind of chosen this, we have walked into this, not something that has happened to you and you truly are sitting in a place where, where that has happened. But even if that's you, here's the problem with landing with a mindset that says, I am a victim, is we sit there and we say, there's nothing I can do about this. This happened to me, or this is this is something, the world is attacking me, it's all around me, there's nothing I can do, and we just kind of freeze up and we, and we sit there. And I want to challenge us and say that, Okay, that that type of a mindset is not, it's never going to allow us to move forward. It's also not going to allow us to be healed by God, to find that healing, if we stay in that type of a mindset. All right, because the, the truth is, we have a massive part to play in getting free from sexual sin. Yes, Jesus can heal. And he can completely deliver you from any desire or temptation in your life. But most of the time, God wants you to take an active role in this process. All right, I'm not talking that we have this, uh, you know, that we are taking God's spot. No, God wants to work through us and in us, and we have a part to play in this. All right, and and this morning we are going to look at two different stories from the Bible. Both have men that find themselves in the midst of temptation. Both have opportunities to walk away, but it plays out very differently for them. And I want us to notice what these differences are in these stories, and then we're going to look at how do we apply some of these to our life? How do we create this process where we can actually get free? All right, so first, if you want to open up to the book of Second Samuel chapter 11, if you have a Bible with you. Alright, and we are not going to spend a long time in this story, or really either of them necessarily. We just finished a series looking at the life of David. And if you know 2 Samuel, we're going to be looking at the life of David here. Alright, and we, we even spent an entire week looking at this story. But I want this fresh in our minds for this morning. And there are some specific things to take notice of. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1. says this, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. So at the beginning of this passage, we see this line that says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, normally that's what kings would do, David instead stayed home. David is at home. Instead of being at war, he is on the roof, sees this beautiful woman bathing, sends for her, and he has sex with her. She becomes pregnant, and this starts this massive mess. All right, David gets her husband to come home from war. He tries to get him to go home and sleep with his wife so that basically it would cover up what has happened, all right, and he won't do that. So instead, David gets him drunk and tries to send him home again because he's like, okay, he said no to me when he was sober. Maybe he'll go home when he's drunk. So he gets him drunk, tries to send him home. Again, Uriah doesn't go. So at the end of this, David sends Uriah back to the war with a message to David's general and close friend, Joab. And the message says to send Uriah into a dangerous part of the battle, have everyone else pull back, and Uriah dies. And this is how he covers all of this up. And you see this massive abuse of power that is happening. And a man that just gives into his own desires and then continues to make terrible choices one after another to cover it up. Alright, I want us to look at another story. This is in Genesis chapter 39. Alright, so if you have a Bible, you can flip over to that, otherwise it's going to be on the screen. Genesis chapter 39. This is another story of another person who finds himself in a difficult situation, but things play out completely different. Alright, so Genesis... 39, starting in verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. As he served in the home of his Egyptian master, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All all his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. So Joseph is working as a slave in this house. He's doing everything he can for his master. The master gives him tons of responsibility. Way more authority than you would normally see in a situation like this. Uh, And his master is wealthy and powerful, so many women would have wanted to marry him. And in this culture, he would have just taken his pick. All right, so we can safely say by cultural standards, his wife is, is a beautiful woman, and Joseph has this first encounter where she's wanting to sleep with him. And he says, no. He says he can't do that to his master, and more than that, he can't do that to God. Well, this becomes a daily thing, That he now has to say no to. All right, it finishes with him actually physically running away from her. He ends up still getting accused and thrown into jail. All right, so we have two different outcomes. Both faced temptation, both had choices to make, and they made very different choices. What we do when we face temptation is such a massive question. All right, no matter what type of temptation, It's pertaining to. This is huge for us as believers, for anybody. You and I face temptations of various types every day in our lives. All right, it might be to tell a little lie to make ourselves look better. All right, everyone probably knows somebody that's kind of that fish story person. All right, we're at the beginning, they caught this little fish, and by the end of it, it's like this massive fish. It's, it's a state record, and it's amazing. All right, like we know people that that's how they talk about themselves, their life. All right, and and we all have that temptation at times. All right, or or maybe we have a temptation to cover up something small uh, or to take advantage of some benefits that we are given, but we want to kind of take it a little further into that gray area. Uh, And and because of our over sexualized world that we live in, we are faced with some type of sexual temptation daily in our lives. And, And for some people, And maybe they have a higher proclivity to sexual temptation and it's way harder for them. Sometimes that happens when you continually give in to something. It becomes way harder for you to say no. All right, some of you might be thinking, I don't feel like I'm tempted daily. All right, now here's what I would say you probably have temptation around you. That's great that you don't feel that daily. That probably means that you are in a a spot where you're a little bit stronger, it doesn't have as much of a grip on you. In the book of Hebrews, it actually says that Jesus, when he was was human, was faced with every type of temptation that we are faced with. And when I hear that, that passage, it is a very encouraging and very discouraging thing at the same time. Like it is encouraging that I'm like, okay, so when I'm dealing with something, I can go to Jesus and he will understand basically what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, all of these things. It's discouraging because he lived his life sinless. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like if I make it through a day without screwing up, I'm like, this guys, this was amazing. This was the best day ever. right? And yet he lived sinless, so it's, it's this encouraging, discouraging thing. Um, but, okay, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 it says this. Verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That means you are not unique. I am not unique. What you are facing, Jesus has gone through, other people are going through. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So no matter what I'm facing, I can walk away. If I look to God, if I focus on Jesus, I can walk away. I can make the choice to not give in to my temptation. That doesn't mean that the way out is easy. In fact, I can almost guarantee that it isn't easy. It is hard. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. If it were easy, we would not give in to temptation. We would always take the easy way out. And yet, it is so difficult. And Jesus says this uh, about temptation in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Praying. This is right before he is arrested and crucified. He comes back to find his disciples sleeping instead of praying like they were supposed to be. Verse 40. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Keep watch and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. The spirit is willing. The body or the flesh is weak. All right, if we want to win this battle, if we want to see change happen in our life, this has to be the the drive of our spiritual lives. Our spiritual lives must be driven by this, but it must be very applicable to our physical lives. Often we just get one of those two things. Spiritually, we're like, I want to be done with this. I have this crisis moment, enough is enough, let's be done. But then we never take the practical, physical steps to actually see this be done. Or we try and set some things up, but we never have that heart moment, that spiritual moment with God that says, I need to be done. Like, this this can't be here anymore. And the reality is, if you don't have that spiritual drive, it doesn't matter what physical boundaries you put in place, you will find a way around them because you are going to go after what you are wanting. The spirit is willing. That's good. Use that to drive forward. But the body is weak, so we need to plan for that weakness. So I want to give us four steps that we can take so that we can live a life that isn't dominated by sexual desire. All right, last week was the crisis. I can't keep living this way. This week, is the process. We need to have a plan. We need to put this into action in our lives. So the first step is this. We need to seek after God daily. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these four steps down. We need to seek after God daily. All right. If our body is weak, but our spirit is willing, let's leverage that. Let's start our day off by feeding our spiritual drive, not by feeding our physical drive. Sexual sin is a physical and mental battle. But if we only fight the battle on those two fronts, physical and mental, we are not going to win in a sustainable way. And I say sustainable because here's the thing, this is not a battle that you win once and it's done. This is a battle that is continual over and over and over. And if we try and fight this just on the physical and mental front, you will become exhausted. Because you do not have the strength, I do not have the strength to fight that battle daily. All right, you will become exhausted. We need to fight this first and foremost on the spiritual front. And that allows us to not try and rely on our strength, but on God's. And every single day when this battle happens, we are there with God's strength that does not diminish, does not deplete, and that can drive us forward. It drives us on to fight the mental and physical side. Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. If you don't want to be giving in to temptation, you need to be engaged spiritually with God. If that is how you are approaching your walk with Jesus, uh, if that's how you approach your day, you will be ready when those temptations come. Alright, you are not going to be caught off guard when all of a sudden something pops up and there's a situation. You're going to make alright, I'm ready for this. Because I've been praying, I've been focusing on God. All right. so when your relationship with God is strong, temptation is weak. When your relationship with God is weak, temptation is strong. It's pretty simple. If you are reaching this point of saying that this is a problem for you, and you need to change, you need to take a step back and look at what does your time with God look like. When you are living your life, is the focus on God and accomplishing His will each day? Or are you focused on how to further what you want in life? Because if you focus on what you want and your own desires, when some sexual temptation comes across your path, you are going to continue to focus on what you want. If that's been the focus of your day, you're not all of a sudden going to switch and be like, Oh God, what do you want? So in that moment, you're faced with temptation. You're going to focus on what you want and satisfying your own desires and you are going to walk right into that. The second thing that we need to do is this. We need to eliminate the situations that lead to our failures. This whole story of David and Bathsheba started with David putting himself in a position to fail. Alright, he should have been off at war, instead he was at home. If he would have gone to war instead of being bored at home, he never would have walked out on the roof, seen Bathsheba, and had this temptation and all of this that happened. Think about moments where maybe you have given in to some temptation, alright, and if it's happened more than once, I'm willing to bet that there is some type of a pattern Or situation that leads to your failure often. And this is especially true with any type of sexual temptation. Where there there is like almost this borderline ritual that leads into this. Well, this happened, and then this happened, and all of a sudden I found myself in this place and I was being attacked. All right? Like, if porn is the problem, where are you accessing it? Deal with it right there. If it's flirting with a coworker, eliminate those interactions. If it's sleeping with people you aren't married to, stop going to that place on the weekend for entertainment. All right, don't bring your phone to bed. Don't be watching that show. Move your computer to a different room of the house where you're not going to be able to access things so easily. Find a new place to go on Friday nights. Stop taking that path that brings you right past that coworker's office that starts with this little flirting. Like, figure out what, what is it that's leading into these situations and cut it off right there. Get software to block certain things on your phone or computer. There's things out there like Covenant Eyes, and there's something that's put out by something called Triple X Church, like these things that will, will help block these things. All right, there are websites like Fight the New Drug that you can read through and learn about how these things are impacting your life. Don't just think back, sit back and think that, that you magically will become strong willed one day, and temptation is just going to be easy to stop giving into. When it comes to porn, there's almost always some type of of ritual that leads to someone consuming it. Recognize that and deal with it. There's an acronym. uh, And it stands for when you are most likely to give in to temptation. And the acronym is HALT. HALT. H-A-L-T. And it stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. All right, those four things. If you are, are finding yourself in those mindsets you are much more likely to give in to temptation. If all of a sudden you are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, which sometimes that's, let's be honest, when you're hungry, angry is not far behind, okay? And then you don't get food, and pretty soon you're tired. Like all these things compound on each other, and when those things come together, your chance of standing up against whatever temptation comes is diminished. Your brain doesn't work right in these situations. Change it. Change it. Joseph started trying to avoid his master's wife. He would try and know where she is in the house, and he'd be like, okay, she's in the bathroom, I'm going to clean the living room. Okay, she's going into the bedroom, I'm moving into the bathroom. And he's like doing this whole thing, trying to stay away from her. Right? Like, that was good. But the reality is, it doesn't matter how many of those things you do, eventually temptation still is going to come across your path. And that happened to Joseph. Everyone else was gone. No one else is in the house to to hear the conversation. and, And he ends up running away, physically running away from the situation. And we need to be able to be in that type of place. The third thing, we need to have real accountability in our lives. Real accountability in our lives. Accountability is the difference between success and failure. All right, And accountability, I think a lot of people don't like it. They think, great, so I get to have someone who yells at me. Every time I screw up. That sounds fun. Where can I sign up for that? Like that that's what I think we think of accountability. Accountability actually makes it so you have another person in your corner. You don't have to fight this on your own. You don't have to go through this on your own. You have someone else who wants you to succeed. Wants to see you win in this. Someone else that can be there for you. They can help you identify those situations that are leading to failure. They can make sure that you are seeking after God. Accountability makes a difference long-term as well. Because again, this is not a one-time battle. There may be days where you come out on top and everything's great. And then there might be days where you lose and your selfish desires get the best of you. Accountability sets you up, though, to win the next five battles after the one that you lost. They can help you uh, move forward and push on and keep going, all right? Here's the thing, though, like, you have to give people permission to hold you accountable. Otherwise, it won't happen. David had zero accountability. Think about how many people knew about his bad decisions, and yet none of them felt that they could say something. The person who he asks, who is that? They came the closest. They're like, okay, uh, that's Bathsheba, that's the daughter uh, of this guy, And, and hey, David, it's the wife... Wife, you know what that word means, David? It's the wife of Uriah. You know Uriah, the guy that like, serves you? She's not available. Like That's the closest someone came. The people that David sent to go get her, they didn't feel like they could say something. Even David's own general, one of his close friends, one of the high-ranking people in Israel, he gets a note basically from David saying, hey, I want you to kill our own guy. And Joab didn't feel that he could go against that. That he could say, David, what, what is going on here? Something's wrong. David had zero accountability. When you don't have accountability, you think you can get away with anything. And one dumb decision leads to two dumb decisions, which lead to ten. Accountability tries to stop that first dumb decision and calls you out when it does happen. When you make some, a, a, a dumb choice. Alright? And then hopefully... It stops you then from making a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a tenth. That's what accountability does. It says, okay, you screwed up. All right, let's try again. Let's not spiral out of control here. Find someone who is close to you, knows you, sees you often, and will tell you things that you don't want to hear because they know that you need to hear it. Accountability is so important. Number four, last one. We need to throw our lives at our purpose. Every one of us has a purpose in this life. As followers of Jesus, we share a common purpose of glorifying his name and announcing and bringing the kingdom of God. That is is what your purpose is. That is what my purpose is. Every single one of us. No exceptions in this room. All right? Now, beyond that, God has specific ways that he may want to use you Or use me to accomplish these things. Our purpose might become more specific. And when we focus on that, when we spend our time thinking about that and doing that, when we are busy with our purpose, it leaves less time for stupid decisions. When that's what you're focusing on, you, it, it, you have less time to be distracted by this. One of the biggest problems in modern Christianity is a lack of understanding our mission. And when we aren't on mission, we get bored. And when we get bored, we pick fights. right? We pick fights about the color of the carpet. And we pick fights about what songs we want to sing. And we pick fights about what the name of a church should be. And then we, okay, I've won all the fights in my church. I'm going to pick fights with the church down the road. And like, that's what is happening in American Christianity, in, in modern Christianity. And it happens when we get off mission. David was sitting at home instead of being on mission. Joseph, by contrast, was so focused on what his mission was in front of him, so focused. And I purposely wanted to use this wording of of throwing your life at your purpose. I wanted the visual of everything that you are being launched, being launched at everything that you are supposed to do. Our world may be over-sexualized, but we can't sit back and have a victim mindset that would trap us waiting for things to change in our life. Uh, there's a classic line that just says the, the best defense is a strong offense. Right? I'm sure most of us have heard that before. And I believe that that is true when it comes to fighting sexual sin. We can't sit back. We have to be active. We need to have that crisis moment where we say enough is enough. I need to change. And then we actually need to put some effort into a plan and a process to see that change happen. Can we stand across this place? I said this last week that there's pain in changing. There's pain in changing. If, as you think right now about temptations in your life, and you think, well, I, what? I have to get rid of stuff so that that doesn't happen. Like, so I have a little bit of temptation. You're saying I, I can't bring my phone to bed anymore? So I have a little bit of temptation. You're saying I can't go and hang out at this place on Friday nights? There's pain in changing. There's sacrifice in change. But what we need to understand is the pain in staying the same in the midst of all of that is so much greater. And when we realize that, we are then willing to make change. Hopefully over this last week, And this week, we've come to a place where we want to take some action. And maybe right now, you are feeling that and you are saying enough is enough. I'm sick of living a life that is controlled by my desires. I need to make some decisions, take some action. I need to allow God to heal me. I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. All right, and I've thought through how we are going to do this. All right, so don't worry about that. All right, but I want to give us all an opportunity to do that because if you want to change you have to take the first step and and I'm going to go further and say that if if this is something in your life and you want to change you have to take that first step now you have to take that first step this morning alright and this is so important for us because right now You have this entire room that is kind of together in this saying, all right, this is enough. Like this, we can't live our lives this way. And and you have the momentum of this morning. In this moment, you're here. You've eliminated distractions. You said, God, I want this to be different. I want to change. All right. And, and, And it needs to happen this morning because when you walk out of here, every step, every moment, Further from right now, temptation is going to begin to disappear. Or, sorry, the will that you have right now, the resolve that you have to change is going to begin to disappear. Temptation is actually going to become a lot harder. Pretty soon, you're not in a room focusing on God with other Christians. You are back in your life, and you are finding yourself maybe in old habits, old relationships, old situations. And if you can't make a decision right now and you can't take a step right now, I'm just willing to bet that it's not going to happen. So, this is what I want us to do. I want every single one of us across the room to take out a phone. All right, pull your phone out. Out of your pocket, out of your purse, wherever it is, everyone pull your phone out. All right, I want you to open up your camera app. We've been kind of teaching us a little bit, how do we use these QR codes, all right? And I'm gonna have this QR code behind me. And what I want every single one of us in this room to do is you hold up your camera. You might have to zoom in. If you're not in the front row, you're probably having to zoom in. And what's gonna happen is from the top or the bottom or somewhere, there's gonna be a little dialogue box that pops up. And I want you to click on that. And it may ask you a certain app that you use for email or something like that. And what's going to happen is it's pulling up an email that it's already addressed to my church email. It already has a subject line. It already has a full body to a paragraph that says, I want to respond to the message. All right, I'm trying to be very sensitive to the idea that for a lot of people, the thing that might be holding you back from taking the first step is purely, how do I do that in this room without a ton of people around me thinking I'm a terrible person? Alright, and when you pull that up, at this point, all you have to do is click send on that message if you want to respond to this message. If you're sitting here saying, sexual sin is in some way controlling my life and I need to move beyond it. I want you to send that message. And, And this week, I'll respond and just say, hey, let's talk. You want to talk through email? You want to come in? You want to sit down? All right, if this didn't work for you, the QR code thing, I'm sorry, you can, you can respond in other ways. Our connect cards have things you can write on there. You can just find my email and send me an email. I'm trying to make it as easy as we can this morning because I know that this is a difficult step. All right, and I'll respond later this week and just say, hey, let's talk about this. What does it look like? I want us to move beyond. I want us to find a way to be free. I don't want sexual sin to be defining any one of our lives. Because if it is, when it comes to this next year and God is saying, this is what I want you to do, this is where I want you to go, you're going to have a hard time answering that call. If you are still stuck and you are not free. So I want to do this. I just want to pray over us as we close. Alright, if this didn't work, find another way to respond. Take that step. Do it before you leave the building. God, I I pray right now, Lord, for for people in this room that their life has been dominated by this for for years. Or God, maybe this is something newer that they've fallen into and they they don't know how to get out of it and, and they know that it's not healthy. They know it's not part of what you would want in their life. Maybe they can even see the damage that it's taking in their life. Maybe they're unaware to the damage that this is going to cause the ripples for years to come. But God, right now, I pray that you would just get a hold of us. Motivate us to take action, to take this step, and to say enough is enough. God, I pray for minds to be healed, for lives to be healed. In these areas that this would not be part of who we are anymore last thing I want to do if you're here this morning maybe you've never had an opportunity to respond to God in a way that would say I I want to stop living my life in my own way I've tried it my way I've tried to do my own things and it isn't working I need God I need something else I need something different if that's you and you'd say I want to live for God I want God to be the center of my life I want to make decisions based off that if that's you would you just slip your hand up this morning yeah yep yep absolutely and I want us to do this I want us just all together as a church family to just kind of declare this um uh, I'm going to just say a pray here, prayer here. It's nothing magical about it. It means really nothing if this is not something that's actually coming from your heart. But if this is coming from your heart, it means everything. All right, so I'm going to say this and I want you just to repeat after me as we make this decision this morning. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, thank you for taking away all my mistakes. I want to surrender my life to you. And help me to follow you the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that? If you made that decision, if you've made that decision recently, our connect cards do have a spot on the back that you can simply check. I I want to follow Jesus. I would love to get in contact with you. This is not something we are meant to do on our own or that we can do on our own. We want to get you resourced in a way where you can be involved with other believers that can help you walk this out. All right, uh, I want to just do this. I, 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 want, I want us to realize that this morning, for some of us in the room, could change the trajectory of our life. Maybe because of that, that decision you just made. Maybe because you are starting a process to find freedom from something that is destroying you, all right? And, and I want us to walk that out this week. So I'm looking forward to responding to emails and to seeing people live in a completely new way that is more freeing than they've ever realized. All right, thank you guys for being here. You guys are dismissed.